Yes, awesome. You glad to be here today? Say this after me. I'm a child of God. I'm born of the Spirit of God. I'm filled with the Spirit of God. And I'm led by the Spirit of God. I hear the voice of the Spirit. And I do what the Spirit tells me. I'm a doer, not just a hearer. I am a doer. Say it again. I am a doer. Yes, you are. Glory to God. We are what God's Word says that we are. Amen? <clears throat> well, what a great word first, as they already said. What great words came, came forth and um, just a great time. It's time where we get filled up throughout the whole year to take the Word of God to the lives of people. Amen? And, uh, and as they mentioned already, don't forget <clears throat> to mark your calendar for Vision Sunday, which is that morning and night both. We're going to talk about vision of the body here and just what more that we can do to, to engage our community, connect with our community, and be connected to what God is doing in the earth. God is building the church. We're making disciples. So God is building the church with the disciples that we make. Look at your neighbor and say, he's talking about you. <clears throat> the, the we is not me and whoever else is behind me up here, because there's nobody else. Uh, the we is us, every one of us. God is building the church with the disciples that we make. And he empowered us, equipped us, gave us all of heaven to make disciples, but we have to do it. And we have to understand how to do that. So... Vision night, we're going to talk about, about how we are engaging our community and how we'll do that more and more this year. Amen? So today and next Sunday, I'm finishing my series on the love of God. Started with the, the, the title, The Nature of Love. And today, um, the title of this message is a, is a call to love a call to love there is a call there's a call to arms uh, in certain places and at certain times today I'm I'm declaring in the earth there is a call to love there is a call to walk in the love of God and to understand how to do that like never before um, and I actually, I just want to just jump right into this message today. In Matthew chapter 22, we're going to just read a few verses of Scripture. And then we're going to end up in 1 Corinthians 13 and kind of camp out there. But in, in Matthew 22, when we read this in, in uh, the first three messages that we preached on this. Um, Matthew 22, and starting with... Verse 36, and Jesus said here, <clears throat> they asked him a question, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Verse 40 in the Amplified says, These two commandments sum up, and upon them depend all the law and the prophets. What, um, these two commandments, what the, what the prophets said, what we read in the law in the Old Testament... It depends on these two in operation. Uh, I'll say it like this. It's all, it, it, everything that's ever been said in God's Word is summed up in this. That if you don't pursue God and learn to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor, which is everybody else but you, as yourself, then none of that works. 
In other words, the Word won't work if we don't work the love of God. So I'm telling you today, there's a call to love. There's a call from heaven that in the earth that we walk in God. Because the Bible says in 1 John 4 and 7 that God is love. Love is God. God is love. Many people attempt to define love from emotion or some physical experience, but true love is birthed from the creator of love, which is God. And, and, and God doesn't just demonstrate love, He is love. He is the essence of love. He's the epitome of love. He's the totality of love. Everything that love is, God is. And so, if nothing else will work without love, then what that says to me is, my, my number one focus has got to be on understanding what love is and how to communicate the love of God. And I think, too, sometimes that... Um, we can find ourselves in attempting to understand what love is, we can find ourselves um, even misunderstanding it on the other, on the other end. Um, a lot of times <clears throat> people will say that, well, you know, uh, you, you're not really a Christian because of the way that you acted. You know, you, your actions didn't prove that you were really a Christian or, you, or you, would, you would walk in love. Well, one person's definition of what love is versus what the Word's definition of what love is many times can be misunderstood. Just to overlook something um, because somebody doesn't want to be held accountable to something that they did in their life isn't necessarily what is true in regards to love in that situation. And so that's why we have to be doers of the Word. We've got to hear God. We've got to know God. We've got to understand God. And then we have to apply the love of God in every situation that we find ourselves in. And so I want to read another passage in, um, in John 15. Again, the title of this message is A Call to Love. John 15 and verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends." You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain forever that that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask the father in my name that i may give it you these things i command you that you love one another notice that wrapped up right in the middle of that passage there about loving one another and no, no greater love does one have that he lays down his life for his friends and and right in the middle of that Right in there, in that one verse, it wasn't like he, he changed what he was talking about. Because what I just got through saying is that loving God 
and loving people is where everything else is summed up. Everything else is dependent on loving God and loving people. And then he says, whatever you ask the Father in my name, I will do it. When we walk in the love of God and we understand what love is and how to demonstrate the love of God, then whatever we ask the Father in Jesus' name, He'll do it. So, so it's summed up in this. If, if we want our prayers answered, then we've got to understand what love is and how to walk in love and how to operate in love so, so that the motives of my heart are worked out. Many, many times people ask things from God that really aren't God's will for their life. And one of, those, one of the reasons that we have things all cluttered up on the inside a lot of times in, in our own personal lives is because we're not demonstrating the love of God in the lives of other people. We're not practicing love with unlovely people. There's another passage that I wanted to read in Luke chapter 6. And uh, this is a... This is a tough passage right here, starting with the 27th verse. This is, this is, this is really tough. I used to, it, it was so tough that I, I just, I, I wouldn't read it for years. I just kind of skip over it, find the good parts. <clears throat> because, because I had a lot of stuff, a lot of clutter inside of me, and I couldn't see what Jesus was really saying about this. It didn't, it didn't make natural sense. And when I start reading it right now, uh, to, to most people or to a lot of people, uh, this doesn't make sense because this is what it says. I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, and pray for those who spitefully use you. To him who strikes you on the one cheek, offer the other also. And from him who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who asks of you. From him who takes away your goods, do not ask them back. And just as you want men to do to you, you do also to them likewise. One translation says, the way you want to be treated, take the first initiative and first treat them that way. Don't wait for people to treat you right. But if you love those who love you, what credit is it to you for even sinners love those who love them? And if you do good to those who do good to you, what credit is that to you even sinners do the same? And if you lend to those from whom you hope to receive back, what credit is that to you? For even sinners lend to sinners to receive as much back. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now, you know, I don't know about you, but there's a lot of stuff in those few verses that don't make natural sense, especially if you were born in Texas. Can someone say amen? You were born in Texas and there's a call to love your enemies, to bless those who despitefully use you to... to you know, turn the other cheek to someone who slaps you in one, on one side and then turn the other one and let him hit you on the other side. <laughs> Not. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you read this passage right here, there's a, there's a, there's a real challenge to, to in, in, in people's minds that, well, you know, let me find another translation that says it in more clear, you know, because that's really, that really couldn't be what Jesus meant. 
Jesus was a man. He understood what we were up against. He wouldn't expect us to do things like that. But listen to me. I'm just telling you today, if we don't understand this, the kingdom won't work for us. People won't receive healing. People won't get free from financial difficulties. People won't live in peace. People won't live free from depression and oppression in their lives. The kingdom of God that won the ultimate victory on planet earth through Jesus Christ over 2,000 years ago won't work if we don't understand this. I mean, if we don't work it out, I mean daily, if we don't work it out. If we don't, if we don't allow ourselves to be challenged on where our mouths go towards people that were created in the image of God, no matter what they do. I mean, it, 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 we're coming to a place where that, you know, people have focused for years on all the outward manifestation of things that weren't right in people. You know, well, you know, they, they, they can't be blessed because they smoke cigarettes. Or they can't be blessed because they drink. Or they can't be blessed because of this, that, or the other. But so many people that don't have outward manifestation like that have inward turmoil and have literal spiritual cancers that are working against their physical bodies and their lives because of the things that they say about other people that were created in the image of God. Every human being on the planet was created in the image of God. Everybody. And so, I believe in Luke 6, 27 through 36, Jesus just about covered everybody that you'll ever face. And the ones that do you good, that you know, that they're not an issue. That's there's no challenge there. The ones that do you good, I mean, to do good to somebody that does good to you, there's no challenge. You don't have to exercise your faith there. You know, there's no faith released. But it's the ones that do you wrong. It's the ones that stick you and stab you and 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 despitefully use you and they this or whatever. You know, one thing about. One thing about love in a given situation is that if you, have, if you have an attitude towards someone else, you're just one side of the story. And there's two sides to everything. There's two versions to everything. And think of it like this. This has helped me through the years. In dealing with, you know, somebody that didn't like me or somebody that didn't like something that I did or whatever. This has helped me through the years. That if, if there, if there, you know, you know, it takes, it takes two to battle. You can't fight if it's just you fighting. You can't fight yourself. It takes two people to fight. But if one person won't, and they'll lay it down, and they'll lay their attitude down, then what could happen to the other side? Somebody's got bitterness in their heart, and they have something against someone else. Somebody has something against you. Somebody's saying something about you or doing whatever. What would happen if you didn't rise up? What could, what could happen to the person with that canker on the inside? with that cancer thing on the inside, that attitude on the inside, what could happen if you laid it down? Well, the last time we taught this, we talked about intercession for people's lives. See, because if, I, if I'm willing to lay stuff down, I'm willing to not have that attitude, and I'm willing to walk in love, then, then what can happen is, I can begin to have, and this is what Jesus had for people, he had compassion on people. The word compassion is a very detailed word. And, and, and it's a very active word. You know, so, some people think having compassion is just feeling sorry for somebody. No, but it's an active word. 
when, when you have compassion for someone else, you, you want to see that person not just, you don't just feel bad for them, you want to see them out of their condition. You want to see them free of their condition. Can we live on this planet and believe God for the good of people that have been ugly to us? Can we do it? Do we have the ability to do it? I say yes. Why? Because I've been practicing it for years. And I say that there's some amazing things can happen in other people's lives if we choose to walk in love. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 13, and and we're going to spend the rest of our message in this passage. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, and I'm going to start reading in verse 1. I'm going to go from the New King James to the the Amplified, kind of back and forth. Verse 1 says this. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. And though I have the gift of prophecy, and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I'm nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Um, I want you to hear <coughs> this. I want to read this in the, um, in the message. <clears throat> Verse 1. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't love, I'm nothing but the creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all of his mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to a mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor and even go to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't love, I've gotten nowhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, or what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. That pretty well summarizes it, right? Without love, I'm absolutely bankrupt. Now, <clears throat> I, I, I want to make, make two points, and then I'll, in, I'm gonna, I'll tie this message up. I'm going to read these next four verses, and, and, and I'll make these two points. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'm going to read these, and then I want to look at a couple of them. Verse 4, love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy Love does not parade itself. It's not puffed up. Does not behave rudely. Does not seek its own. Is not provoked. Thinks no evil. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. Bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never fails. Love never fails. So in other words, you never have to be afraid of failure if you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and you love your neighbor like you love yourself. 
You treat others the way you would want to be treated. You never have to be afraid that you're going to fail. The fear of failure, the fear of failure is responsible for a huge majority of people that go to the grave prematurely, prematurely in their life. The fear of failure. It, it is responsible for most of the heart attacks that people have, being afraid of failing and being afraid of men, being afraid of what people would do to you. Well, when you, when you develop a love for God and you develop a love for people and laying your life down for the good of other people, when you develop that in your life, then there's no end to what you can accomplish. And there's no end to what the body of Christ can accomplish in the earth because of our stance. Now, there's, there's two positions here that I think are really important. And, it, and, and they are this. I'm, I'm going to read two, different ver- two of these verses out of the Amplified. <clears throat> Verse 4. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious or boils over with jealousy. It's not boastful, does not display itself haughtily. Verse 5, it's not conceited or arrogant and inflated with pride. It's not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecoming, becomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It's not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of an evil done to it, and it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. And on and on and on. But here's the thing. In most cases... Okay, he, he, said, he said, love doesn't do these things, and love does these things. Love is kind, and love doesn't take into account a suffered wrong. Love, do, love does this. But without love in me and operating in me, I'll find myself doing it. But if I'm walking and developing love, then the people that you come in contact with will do one and most of the time, more of these. Did you hear me? In, in most of the situations where you have to, I'm not talking about the people that do good to you, that you, it's very easy to do good for those people. I'm talking about the people that are doing things at you or, or towards you or whatever. So, love is not conceited or arrogant or inflated with pride. But people without the love of God are. Right? People that you deal with and issues that you deal with 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 people, they are. That's how they are. Right? Love of God is not rude or unmannerly or does not act unbecoming. God's love does not insist on its own rights or its own way. It's not self-seeking. It's not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of an evil done. pays no attention to a suffered wrong, but people that you're walking in love with do. And that's why that stuff has to be worked out of us so that we can deal with individuals and people that have stuff in their own life. And, and here, here's what happens, okay? And, and when you're a person that is walking in love, okay, who empowered you with the ability to love unlovely people? God, right? And, and so, so who, is this, who is this good for? Is, is it just good for you to walk in love, or is it good for the kingdom for you to walk in love? I say for the whole kingdom. See, we're, we're practicing these things and looking at this stuff, And next Sunday, as I end this message, I'm going to give you a challenge for the rest of this year about how you look at people and how you pursue this love walk. But if 
if, if you are dealing on a daily basis with touchy, resentful, irritable people, none of y'all are like that in here, <laughs> touchy, resentful, irritable people that take account for suffered that is things that have been done wrong to them, if you're dealing with people like that on a regular basis, then you've got to have something to deal with them with. You won't be able to deal with them just in yourself. And there's not a person sitting here today that maybe even before you walked in here, you have the tendency to be touchy about a lot of little things. You have the, the tendency maybe, maybe to be resentful about certain things. That you, it's very easy for you to take into account a wrong suffered. Somebody's done you wrong and boy, you hold it against them. Here's the thing. What I've noticed through the years in my own life, and I had to, I had to learn to hear the voice of God in the moment because when someone else is offended and they come to me and I take the offense of a person that is offended, now I've got double offense. And now it makes it worse. See? But if somebody's offended and they come to me and they spill the beans and they spill all their junk to me and tell me how they feel about a situation... <clears throat> I have the ability, number one, to be kind, to be patient with them, to realize they're delivering to me one side of the story of something that's going on. And I have, I have the capability of helping them through that situation instead of joining my faith and allowing double unforgiveness to happen or double, you know, curse to happen in that situation. Because when we put our mouths on someone... And someone comes and brings you a report about what someone else did to them. <clears throat> and they're offended. And we allow a double offense to, be, to, to, be, uh, to, to happen in a situation. What that double offense is, is the power of agreement. Any two agree is touching anything that they ask, bam, it'll be done. And you know what that's after? It's, that's after wrecking the kingdom of God. It's after wrecking families and personalities and relationships. <clears throat> and God has called you and I to implement His truth and make sure that those kind of things don't happen. The second thing is, and it's found in the fifth verse, and I'm going to read this in the Amplified, I mean in the sixth verse, Love does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love doesn't rejoice when there's an injustice and something that is unrighteous that happens. It doesn't rejoice. <clears throat> but again, we're dealing with people and we're dealing with ourselves at one time or another where we possibly had attitude and issues that are similar to the things that we deal with with people on a daily basis. You know that most people feel better when something bad happens to someone else. I'm going to say it again. Most people feel better when bad happens to another person. kind of makes them feel like they're not all that bad. I mean, that seems, you know, hearing me say that, you think, wow, ah, yeah, that's, that, that's true. People really do that. Well, do you do that? Do you feel better when bad things happen to someone else, or do you want good for others? See, love wants good. Love doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness, but it rejoices when right and truth prevail. Right? And so, <clears throat> you know, this... Rejoicing when right and truth prevail and being a part of right and truth prevailing, being a part of that. Because see, 
in the literal here in 1 Corinthians 13 from verse 4 to verse 8. What, he's, what, what the Apostle Paul is talking about is the love of God in us. I'm, I'm going to read it. I'm going to read back up to verse, uh, well, in verse 5. Love is not conceited, arrogant, inflated with pride. It's not rude and unmannerly. Love does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. That's the plan. See, God is and love is, and, and whether you and I work it or not, it still is. Faith is, whether you work faith. I saw a bumper sticker, I've, I've probably said this a hundred times, I don't know. But, but I, I saw a bumper sticker one time that said, God said it, I believed it, and that settles it. And that's not true. God said it, that settles it. Faith is, that settles it. Love is, it's settled. In heaven, it's settled. But whether faith or love or God himself is administered in the earth is whether we allow it to be a part of us and it works in us. Because if it doesn't, if God's love doesn't work in me, then I'm not going to be able to I'm not going to be able to overcome things myself and I'm not going to be able to help other people overcome. Because look at these last two verses, verse 7 and 8. Love bears all things. Actually, I'm going to read it in the amplified. It says it better. Verse 7. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes. Love is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and love endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. So, the two commandments that everything else is summed up in and is dependent on is first and foremost that I love God with all my heart and all my mind and all my soul, and I'm developing that. And then, as I'm developing the love of God in me, I'm practicing it on unlovely people. Now, (laughs) who do we define as unlovely? Yeah, the Grinch. There you go. The Grinch. He's unlovely. So, when somebody that's a Grinch comes around, then I'm going to practice it. Well, the truth is, the truth is this. The people that are closest to you can wake up on the wrong side of the bed and be really unlovely. The people that are closest to you can be the most unloveliest at certain times. You know why? Because we're familiar with each other, we know each other, and we're not all that concerned because, you know, nobody else is watching. And that's where practice starts. And if you're practicing with the people closest to you, and you're learning, you're learning how, number one, not to take the offense of another person, and you're learning to not rejoice in unrighteousness, but rejoice when right and truth prevail, and you're learning to lay your life down for the good of others, no matter what it takes then you're on the right path to greatness and victory. But if you're not, if you're not, none of the rest of this stuff will work. I'm so convinced of this, I can't even tell you. I'm so convinced that the walk of love and the attitude of love toward people and the way we walk in discernment 
on behalf of other people is so vitally important. One, one day I was <clears throat> talking to one of my siblings on the phone. And they were asking me about something, you know, from the past. And they, in, in this conversation, we, uh, I'm not going to give all, any of the details, it doesn't really matter, but, it, but there was a point here. And in this conversation, <clears throat> I could feel myself getting irritated with what this sibling of mine was saying. And I thought to myself, but you know, you know, you're saying something to me, but you don't realize what you've done. You're, you're telling me something that you feel like that I did or didn't do for you, but you don't realize what you've done. And as, as I was thinking it through and getting more angry by the moment, could kind of feel the back the hair on the back of my neck standing up as they were telling me what they were telling me. I heard the Holy Spirit say, "You're going to lay your life down for this situation right here because you've been working on bridging gaps from a divided and a split apart family for years you've been working on bridging these gaps." And if you demand your right in this situation, if you demand your right here, all it's going to do is push things farther back. And see, I was willing to work on things when it was my idea and me putting the foot out there and them, you know, acknowledging the fact that, you know, I was making some effort toward them in their lives because there had been division in the past. But now, in the midst of all my, quote, good works, I'm being challenged on something that, you know, I want to tear into this thing so bad I can't even help myself. And I couldn't help myself. Had it not been for the Holy Ghost, I would have tore into that situation and and it would have ruined things. And, you know, the Holy Spirit can tell you to do something, but if you're not practicing love and you're not aware of it, and you don't lay the thing down in that moment, you're going to find yourself messing things up and then having to clean the messes up. And then I had another situation where another, not a sibling, but another family member had some attitude about a specific thing. And uh, in this situation, I felt like well, you know, I better back off and just let it be a certain way, you know. But what, what they were saying, they were saying about someone else in the family. And as I listened to this person say what they were saying, I kept thinking of the previous instance that had been several years before and thinking how I just needed to lay it down and just back off in the situation. But the Holy Spirit said, no, you need to step up and you need to bring some correction because love doesn't rejoice in unrighteousness. It rejoices when right and truth prevail, but in kindness, preferring yourself lest you you be in this kind of a situation, not condemning the person or whatever, but just speaking the truth. And a lot of times when people in life have judgments and attitude they need help but it's got to be at the right time and it's got to be through somebody that's practicing love with the people that are closest to them because when you're practicing the love of God you don't have this judgment of condemning people's lives and wanting bad things to come to them and, and bad things to happen to them. And, you know, you, you pray certain scriptures like, you know, no weapon formed against me shall prosper and every tongue that rises against me in judgment is going to be proven wrong. Bam, bam, bam. That's not what that passage says. That passage is just something that is in place. Because... And it's in place for your and my protection. 
But if you get that way with that scripture in a militant way against someone else, (laughs) you're not going to prosper either. So the moral of my story today is, ultimately above everything else, to walk in the love of God, you have to walk in discernment. Because there's deceived people. We've all been deceived at different times. Everybody sitting in here has been deceived in believing something that was not true. And the more we practice it, and the more we're in it to advance the kingdom and to help people, then we don't judge people, we don't tear people down, we believe for the good in other people's lives. Can you say amen? We've got to be in this for the good of one another. We've got to walk in the love of God and judge our own hearts so that people we pray for are healed. Financial straits that we find ourselves in or we see other people in, when we begin to pray and operate in the wisdom of God, things change. When someone comes to you and they haven't slept at night for six months and they come and you begin to pray in the Spirit and God anoints you to lay hands on them and command the peace of God to rule over their heart and mind and command sweet sleep over their life. And because of the love of God being worked out in your heart, there's a release that's there. When we don't walk in love, it blocks everything else. And it keeps so many other things from happening. I know this. I hear this. I hear this from God all the time. I hear Him instructing me the importance of walking in the love of God and helping people and, and ministering to people. And, you know, I told last Sunday morning, I told this story of this guy back home as, as I was in my mom's hospital room. And this guy, his sister had, was brain dead. She had a brain aneurysm and she was two doors down. And this guy, you know, he, was a, he had a lot of attitude, you know. He was real belligerent. He made the whole medical staff angry and uncomfortable. There was a lot of frustration around him. <clears throat> you know that, that, that little guy on the, the, on the Peanuts story? You know, Charlie Brown? and The guy that walked around with the dust cloud? You remember him? <clears throat> huh? What was it? Pigpen. Pigpen, that's who it was. Well, that's what this guy looked like. He, 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 had, this, he had this confusing, strife-ridden frustrated dust of cloud of dust that just went with him wherever he went and as I began to have the opportunity to minister to this guy and just be a friend to him you know like I told you Sunday this guy could do nothing for me absolutely nothing but God had something in my heart for him I didn't even have the time to spend with him. I didn't even want to do it in the natural. But the love of God rose up. And I believe my time with this guy helped him. And I believe this 48-year-old that looked like he was about 60 or 65 years old, I'm confident that I'll see that guy in eternity because of five days with somebody that practices walking in love. I didn't say I do it perfectly. I said I practice it. And every opportunity that I have that comes my way, I want to do what's right. I don't want some opportunity to arise through someone else's choices, someone else's attitudes, someone else's junk in their life, to affect me in such a way that it drags me down and it keeps me from walking in love and stops the blessing and the empowerment of God from flowing. Not going to do it. God forbid that I let anybody affect my life like that, that I turn it the opposite way and work it for my good and for the good of humanity and for the good of the body of Christ, that I demonstrate the love of God. Standing for the truth, 
not allowing deception to enter in, not taking the offense of someone else by giving in and, and feeling bad for whatever, none of those things. Walking in the kindness and the patience and the long-suffering and, and having an attitude, not thinking of myself more highly than I should, not looking beyond that, this situation and thinking, you know, that, these, that this person that I'm dealing with, you know, it, it should be kicked out or done away with or whatever. No. But that I have great compassion and I'm able to pray for people and believe the best for people, even in spite of their actions. You know why? Because I'm considering myself, lest I be tempted and find myself in the same situation. Amen? What a great day to be alive. You and I, I'm telling you, it's a great day to be alive, and it's a great day in the kingdom to be able to be here and experience things in the kingdom of God like we've never seen before. How many, how many have that expectation today? Amen? How many expect for amazing things to happen, for people's lives to be healed and delivered and set free? Not just the same old thing and same old status quo where the church has been maybe in the past. No, the church of Jesus Christ is arising, becoming everything it was created to be. And the key to it, the key to it, is loving God with all your heart, mind, and soul and loving your neighbor like you love yourself. Amen? Heavenly Father, today, <clears throat> I thank you for your blessing, your empowerment on your people. Lord, I declare today to these believers, those who believe you and believe your word, I believe today that as they walk in the love of God, that there's no end to what you are accomplishing in and through their lives and in and through the lives of the people that they come in contact with. We believe today, Father, for amazing manifestations in the days ahead, that healings and deliverances and blessing and prosperity come to your people and to the people of planet Earth as we choose to walk in love and do what's right. Today, Father, we honor you. We bless you. We praise you. We give you all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen and amen and amen.